Hello everyone and welcome to the Yale Journal of Biology and Medicine podcast. My name is Samantha. I'm a first year Master of Public Health student in the Department of Health Policy. Today we're joined by the deputy editors of the September 2023 issue of the Yale Journal of Biology and Medicine for the topic of big data. So would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, my name is Rylan Mordlock. I'm a third year MD-PhD student here and excited to be for the first time being a part of a podcast. I'm Conrad Safranek. Uh, I'm a second year medical student here. Um, also was very excited to be part of the issue and the podcast. Moving on to the issue, what did the journal mean by big data? What does big data mean to you in the context of this YJBM issue? Yeah, I can start by describing kind of some of the threads we had in mind when we when we put together the subtopics for the issue, and then I'm sure Conrad will have things to fill in. The at least in my mind, we kind of had maybe three main areas we were kind of looking to get submissions for for this issue. The first being big data in the context of the biomedical sciences, so genomics, like proteomics, and just using big data to make insight into biology. The second for me is kind of big data sets and uh, more applications within healthcare, so uh, clinical informatics or looking at big data sets within uh, healthcare delivery, so like outcomes, things like that. Um, and then the third being kind of the, the ethics of big data and the kind of considerations and challenges of big data in these different arenas. And I think our subtopics that we solicited for for the issue kind of fell into one of those three buckets, at least in the way I thought about it. Um, for sure. I think that data has been growing so much um, across medicine, across biology for the past many decades now, for sure. But I think it's continued that exponential growth and there are a lot of really cool ways that people are using it all um, across many different sectors and also starting to come together, I think bridging across, you know, trying to bridge proteomics and genomics, um, which leads to more data that can be used clinically and integrated and like clinical data sets as well. Um, so I think that was also a big exciting thing about the issue is seeing how the different forms of big data that have arisen, sometimes at different like silos per se, like in genomics and in clinical informatics, um, but also seeing how some of those are starting to come together um, was really exciting to see for sure. That's really interesting, thank you. Moving on to the process of putting the issue together, you have a lot of contributors at Yale and elsewhere. Were there any specific geographic niches you were looking for? So this was actually my first issue. Um, so I got to kind of see and listen to what other um, past deputy editors had done. And one big emphasis that I recognized coming into this issue was expanding beyond Yale as well. Um, I think we were automatically connected with a lot of incredible researchers at Yale already doing amazing things in big data. and it naturally flows that we reach out to them and we get really cool submissions, um, I think every issue basically. Um, but from the start, from the get-go, I, I really recognize that we also wanted to reach out, not just in the US, not just other institutions uh, nationally, but also internationally um, was a big emphasis. And we spent some time strategizing, trying to figure out what are the best ways to make sure we have that wide reach of solicitations um, and make the process kind of accessible and made sure we publicized it well um, everywhere. And we did get a lot of submissions from all over the place, so that was really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. I think 
comparing this uh, this issue with the the only other issue I've been a deputy editor for, which was on the topic of fluids. Uh, this big data issue was like deliberately meant to reach very far and be very encompassing of a lot of different fields, and so that made it easy to solicit. Uh, it, it made it easy to find relevant people that could submit articles, and it made it a little bit harder to constrain like where we look and how we how we do the submission process. So, I you know I think we had a good team of like soliciting editors who we uh, tackled different subtopics within that and would do kind of literature searches within that field and identify people who are publishing in that space and then solicit them to submit to our our issue. And I think it worked. Yeah, we got we got a good amount of submissions. Um, and I think one thing uh, with this topic that I was worried about early on was having a lot of like review and perspective articles because a lot of people like to like um, they like to write about all these different amazing ideas about big data. But I was worried we might not get enough original research because it's hard to actually analyze these data sets. Um, but we ended up getting quite a few original research articles, and the issue ended up being. 50% or more original research, which is kind of, at least from my experience, I think that's a good breakdown for YJBM is to like make sure we're publishing uh, new research in addition to reviews, which are which are very valuable too. I'll also add the solicitation process itself can be kind of fun where once you start, part of it is just searching articles, going on PubMed and trying to find things related that have been published in that field. And once you find one exciting article, you can usually track down the author and find related works and um, see co-authors and what co-authors have been publishing. So that solicitation process is always kind of an exploration of the research itself um, and can take you in many directions. Did you encounter any challenges when putting the issue together? I think one of the challenges, like, YJBM always has is that we're student run and so the work has to be done by people who have this main job which is being a student whether it's like a medical student, MPH, PhD student and so we're always doing this like in our spare time and so uh, you know when you put together a team you like you're relying on people to make time in a very busy schedule to, to knock out work, send out solicitations, manage manuscripts and so it takes like a certain level of like organization from, from the deputy editors and just checking in with people and being kind of um, being really like cognizant of the fact that everybody has a lot going on. Um, that's always a challenge for YJBM. Um, another I think both very rewarding but also challenging part was um, I think at the beginning we got to talk really big picture about all of the subtopics that we were excited to solicit for. Uh, and then we spread out and we got a ton of like ton of submissions and went through the whole process and at times it's very detail-oriented in terms of going through the dregs of, of, of submissions methods and also just coordinating and making sure you hit all the deadlines that you need to. But then at the end, we had to take a step back again and look at all the submissions and try to regroup into kind of an organized how we wanted to present all of the articles. And it looked similar in some ways to I think how we originally envisioned, but also different. Um, so that was, I think it was a fun, challenging process for sure. Um, but it wasn't immediately like apparent exactly how we were gonna group the articles at the, at the end either. Great, no, this is actually very interesting. I didn't realize there would be an internal revision process. Moving on, what made you want to be deputy editors for this issue? I have always really been into 
big data research. I guess not always, since college. Uh, I did computational biology um, in undergrad, but it was more biology with a little bit of computer science, enough to where I can kind of do more applied things. Um, but I've also gotten a pretty narrow slice in a lot of ways. Like I've mostly been in clinical informatics and always wished I knew more about genomics um, and wished I knew more about machine learning and things like that. Um, so, but have been very excited about all of them. Um, and then also partway through the issue, I guess this couldn't have been a motivating thing because I think it came out after uh, we had signed up, but uh, I think like the inception of large language models and ChatGPT have also re-inspired me and gotten me even more excited about the role of big data and AI as well. Um, in, in medicine. So it's always been a topic I was excited about, but very eager to see the other parts that I had less exposure to. Yeah, I think very similar for me. I, like, I love data. I've always been kind of like interested in data. That's kind of what got me into the field of STEM was doing an internship where I got to learn a little bit of coding and I, I liked it a lot. And that has set me on the path that ended up in like medicine and research, which is super exciting. And I think within, so far within my research endeavors and, and more in biology, I've always been attracted to like methods that could build big data sets and analyzing data and trying to make sense of like turn numbers into like something that insights and means something. And so I, I'm always looking to learn more like Conrad said. And so that was, that made it really exciting. And I think there was also like when we, at the YSJVM meetings, we go over ideas for future issues, and I think when this issue was proposed, which I didn't propose, I don't think either of us proposed the issue, um, there was like a lot of excitement, like you could tell people were kind of like, oh, we could take it this direction, we could encompass this, and like, it was definitely one of those times where like you could see the excitement in the room for this issue, and so it was kind of like, inspiring or like exciting to be a part of from the beginning to because we felt like this was going to be a really cool um, work really well for for what YJBM is trying to do because it's these articles are so timely like like Conrad mentioned with like the way that these technologies are just coming to our life even more. One other little note I'll add on that is uh, just bigger picture in addition to the big data issue I was also kind of getting involved in YJBM relatively new for me, but part of my motivation for, I think, being really excited about YGBM is just like being on the other side of the process is sometimes very confusing. Um, when you submit a manuscript and it goes into a dark box and you have to wait and it's sometimes anxiety provoking and you have no idea what's happening on the other end. Um, and it's not always the most pleasant experience, uh, but I was very curious to see what it looked like on the other side. Um, and definitely, I think, have gain that exposure, understand a lot better, have more respect and understanding of all that goes into kind of reviewing manuscripts and you know trying to get expertise and expert opinion um, on and good feedback. So I think it was it was very interesting to see both sides. That was something I was excited about coming in. Yeah. So would you both say that you've you know learned something new from this experience? I know you mentioned that you have had experience being a deputy editor before, but do you, would you say that you learned something new through this every time? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I think you learn both, you get exposed to new ideas and research you've never heard about, and then you also just learn, you continue to learn how to work well with other people and, and 
kind of build something. Like that's, to me, that's one of the really fun parts about YJBM is that we, we get to contribute to something that's, it's no longer, I guess, a physical uh, piece because we're not printing the journal lately, but it's a, it's a piece of, you know, um, like a piece of the literature that's gonna go out and, you know, it's a bunch of students helping to, to build that and it's really fun. For sure. Um, I don't know if I have that much to add to that. I think it was very fun seeing specific articles and kind of getting into the details of, um, there's a lot of interesting things that people do with big data. Um, coming in, I knew I wanted to learn other techniques and I think definitely I got to see some very interesting things that I didn't even knew existed in the world of big data, um, but were exciting to see. Amazing. And when you were answering the previous question, you mentioned AI, like ChatGPT. Is there anything else you'd like to add on that topic? I think it's very important for students, graduate students, people our age, to be thinking about it all a lot. Um, I think in the past we've seen new technologies um, that have incredible potential to upset health disparities and make healthcare more accessible um, and advance medicine sometimes fall flat uh, and I think it's often because money is the driver and in industry and uh, sometimes I think the uh, like incentive structure isn't always aligned um, but I think it's very important for uh, people young professionals to be getting involved with big data and artificial intelligence and how it impacts biology how it impacts medicine um, so that is something I continue to be excited about. It was really cool to have an opportunity to kind of do a tour of a bunch of different topics and also just the research process itself, um, for sure. Yeah, I think for me, like having, you know, as medical students, we do rotations in the hospital. And for me, there's always a big disconnect between like the huge amount of technologies we use in research and certain areas of medicine where we're still largely practicing things similarly to how we have in the past. And I think the it's very exciting to think about how different the world, the practice of medicine is gonna be by the time we reach like the middle of our careers and by the time we reach the end of our careers. I'm personally convinced that it's gonna be just, everything is gonna be different in terms of the way medicine is practiced because these technologies that are not quite into clinical practice. They just feel like they're just right there knocking at the door. And there's a lot of challenges, especially with like patient privacy and the sharing of data. But at some point, these technologies are gonna become so powerful that it's gonna become unethical not to use them. And so I'm excited by the possibilities of the expansion of, of AI, big data in medicine and in the actual practice of medicine. Yeah, no, that's really relevant to me because as a health policy student, um, you know, we're currently in class like learning about, you know, where we're having failings in patient experience and the quality of the um, care that they're getting just because of the amount of technology that doctors have to um, take care of in terms of inputting all of their data and, you know, prescriptions and everything and it's taking away time from you know, really connecting with the patient. So do you think that AI and just all of these technological software will be able to help, you know, 
future physicians, clinicians um, connect more with the patient and get back to strengthening that relationship? I hope so very much. <laughs> um, I definitely think that there's a big potential for them to give back face-to-face -face time. Um, hopefully by recording some of those things and automating scribing and um, automating some, not the final prescription itself, but maybe getting that prescription ready for the doctor to review. Um, I think a lot of that could definitely benefit um, actual like connections between uh, patients and physicians. Um, I also worry that some incentive structures might be set up where if they manage to cut down the amount of time that physicians need to spend documenting, instead of going back to the patients, that might go back to more patients or um, something along those lines. So I definitely don't think that AI will solve all of those problems. I think it could be a tool in the solution, but I think that they're going to need to be um, bigger picture public health, um, governmental, um, kind of big interventions just to make sure that um, patients continue getting the best possible care and that physicians don't burn out, um, all of the above. Would you consider being DEs for other issues in the future? For sure. The practical thing, I'm about to go into my clerkship year, which is a busy-ish year, and then I have another year and a half after. Um, and I'm waiting to see what the DE topics are. I hope to have some say in the DE topics then too. I'll keep attending the meetings, um, and I definitely hope to in the future. Yeah, similarly, I, I'm taking a little bit of a hiatus as I start my like PhD research to really focus on that. Um, but I'm excited to just stay plugged in with YJVM and then hopefully come back and, and work on more issues and you know have other leadership roles within the organization uh, for when I'm further along in my PhD. Awesome. So second to last question, do you have a favorite piece in the issue? One of the issues that I really enjoyed was um, the Aortic Institute, uh, which is like this big database that, uh, that has been put together tracking genetics, tracking a lot of data related to um, aortic ruptures um, in patients. And um, they've done a lot of things in the past with machine learning with more traditional clinical informatics, and um, it was kind of a piece touring some of the things that they've done um, and highlighting kind of all that can come out of a really big data set like that. Uh, and partway through reviewing it, I actually uh, was with my boyfriend at the time, discovered that they had a relative that was actually in the database and had benefited from a genetic analysis where they discovered some variant and followed up with an MRI um, of their aorta, which was really cool to find out. But like big data really touches a lot of people and sometimes it's closer than you think. Yeah, so that was really cool. Another article that we were pretty excited about was uh, on artificial intelligence to improve patient understanding of radiology reports. And I think this goes back to what we were discussing earlier about ways that these technologies can come into improving actual clinical practice. And I think this is one of those uh, situations where the the modern medicine and the integration, like the huge amount of technology that's now involved, has led to problems where patients have access to these uh, like results and radiology reports that aren't written for the patient; they're written for physicians, and it can lead to like um, huge anxieties when certain like 
terms are used that sound distressing to a patient, but in reality are not like um, are trying to communicate something to a physician. And so this was a very cool application of AI to try and improve, to try and I think if I remember correctly to translate those reports into something that's patient facing and will actually help the patient ease their anxiety or understand their health better um, because the way that information is communicated is very, going to be very different from physician to physician versus physician to patient. So it was very cool to publish someone's work in this field that I think is very promising for the future. Thank you so much for your time and I'm sure our listeners will enjoy hearing about this as much as I did. This was Samantha with Rylan and Conrad. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please feel free to reach out.